0: It's July the 8th. Let's read the Bible. Friends, welcome back to this year-long journey from Genesis to Revelation in just one year. Thank you for hopping on the Bible bus. Now, some of you started with us in January. Here we are in July. You're still with us. Thank you so much. Others joined in February, March, April, May, June. Maybe you're starting today for your very first time. Doesn't matter. There are seats for you On the Bible bus. So, thank you for joining us. We're in the early days of the second half of our journey through the Word of God. We've come today to Acts chapters three and four. And before I say anything about that, let me mention one of the comments that came in. This simply says I enjoy your reading the Bible so very much. I'm elderly and I don't see very well. So it really helps me a lot. God bless you. Keep on reading. I love your voice. Thank you so much. And I love what you wrote. Thank you for your prayers. And uh, I do understand uh, having reached the advanced age of 70 myself, I, under- I don't hear as well as I used to. I certainly don't see as well as I used to. So I'm delighted. It doesn't matter where you are along the spectrum, but thank you for joining with us. And, uh, Glad you're with us today. Let me, let me remind us of something. There are two books that go together in the New Testament. One is Luke and the other is Acts, both written by the same man, Luke, the beloved physician. He was a learned man, a brilliant man. He was a man who enjoyed doing, well, we would call it today something like dissertation research. He says at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, uh, Gospel of Luke I went back. And I, I studied all the accounts, talked to the eyewitnesses, read their accounts of people who knew the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the same detailed care when we come to the book of Acts. Now, how shall we divide this book? Just a reminder, Acts is built around two men, Peter and Paul. Just say that with me, Peter and Paul. One more time with feeling, Peter and Paul. Peter, Acts 1-12. through Paul, Acts 13 through 28. And if you study this book, you can see Peter is the star of the first part of the book. Paul is the star. He is the chief figure in the second half of the book. And I think beyond that, we can say that there is an unfolding geographic pattern at work in the book. Based on Acts 1-8, Jesus said, You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Basically, we see Jerusalem in chapters 1 through 7. We see Judea and Samaria, chapters 8 and 9, and and really chapter 10 as well. But starting then at chapters 13 through 28, you see the gospel, it's leaping. The gospel is leaping, it's jumping away from Judea, Uh, Jerusalem and Samaria, it's now going to go to the very ends of the earth. Thus, you have the first missionary journey, the second missionary journey, the third missionary journey, and finally, you have uh, Paul's long journey from Jerusalem to Rome. And really, in that last part of the book of Acts, we'll get there in a a few days. um, Last part of the book of Acts, it's meant to answer a, a really important question How in the world? How in the world did the gospel get from Jerusalem the heart and center and soul of Judaism? How did, it, how did Christianity move from being what appeared to be an offshoot of Judaism to a religion for the whole world? How did you start in Jerusalem and end up in Rome? That's what the book of Acts is going to answer. So now today, Acts 3 and 4. We are deep in the Jerusalem section. Paul is going to be introduced to us later. He's not on the scene yet. It's Peter. It's Peter and John. They're going up to the temple, the temple in Jerusalem. Let's begin to read. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then, taking him by the right hand, he raised him up and at once, His feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. While he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people meaning the onlookers, utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we had made him walk by our own power or godliness? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and denied before Pilate, Though he had decided to release him, you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked to have a murderer released to you. You killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. And now, brothers and sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your leaders also did. In this way, God fulfilled what he had predicted through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer. Therefore, repent and turn back, so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, who has been appointed for, for you as the Messiah. Heaven must receive him until the time of the restoration of all things, which God spoke about through His holy prophets from the beginning. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You must listen to everything He tells you, and everyone who does not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from the people. In addition, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those after him have also foretold these days, You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your ancestors, saying to Abraham, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through your offspring. God raised up his servant and sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. That's the miracle, and that's the sermon. The miracle and the sermon. Now, we're going to get to aftermath in Acts chapter 4. While they were speaking to the people, the priests... The captain of the temple police and the Sadducees confronted them because they were annoyed. What a word. They were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized them and took them into custody until the next day, since it was already evening. But many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem, with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family, these these were the people, Annas and Caiaphas directly, but these were the people who not many days earlier, in that fateful Thursday night, early Friday morning, who had questioned Jesus, who had attacked him, who had slapped him, who had mocked him, who had ridiculed him. Same people, they're going to gather now. Watch this. After, verse 7, After they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them, By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he, he was healed, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. They observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men. They were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. After they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves, saying, What should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all. In the name of Jesus, Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than God, you decide, for we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them further, they released them, They found no way to punish them because the people were all giving glory to God for what had been done. For this sign of healing had been performed on a man over 40 years old. After they were released, they went to their own people, meaning back to the early church, the early believers. They went to their own people and they reported everything the chief priest and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, You are the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit by the mouth of our father David, your servant, why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, assemble together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak the word of God boldly. Now, The entire group of those who believed were of one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common with great power. The apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was on all of them for there was not a needy person among them because all those who owned houses or lands sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. I'll tell you what strikes me. You have the miracle that's amazing. You have that sermon Peter preached in the temple courts, courtyards, to the very men who had who had crucified Jesus, who were guilty of his death. He called them to repentance. And then they're arrested. And you have the leaders now, Caiaphas and Annas and the others, you have the you have the power brokers of the nation. They don't know what to do. They can't deny the miracle. But they don't know this, they don't want this name of Jesus being spread. You know, it's not the miracle that bothers them. What bothers them is that these men are preaching that Jesus died and God raised him from the dead, and they couldn't have that kind of that kind of wild thing spread among the Jewish people. So they threatened them and then released them and told them not to speak again in the name of Jesus. And you come to the end of all this. What do Peter and John do? They go back to the church back to the believers and they have a prayer meeting and this is so interesting to me that when you this prayer what are you going to do what are you going to do they they told the church what the chief priests and the elders had said and this prayer you ought to study this prayer it's a prayer that starts with a recognition of who god is lord you're the creator you made everything then they quote back to God his own word. God loves to have his word quoted back to him. Martin Luther said we ought, to, we ought to fling the Bible in God's face and we ought to say you said that's what they're doing here. They're tying in what's happening in Jerusalem back with Psalm with Psalm 2, the second Psalm. Why do the heathen rage and the people plot futile, uh, futile things? And then they, then they say in the prayer, you know, Lord, it's what Herod and Pontius Pilate and the others did. Now, Lord, consider their threats, and they don't pray for an end to the threats. They don't pray for an end to the persecution. They don't pray uh, to be kept from prison. They, they pray, grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness. There it is. There's the secret of the early church right there. They didn't run away from trouble. They ran toward it in the name of Jesus Christ. And it says, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak the word of God boldly. What they needed in that day, we need in our day. Sometimes people say, how will you know when you're filled with the Spirit? Well, in the book of Acts, when the believers were filled with the Spirit, they were given courage and boldness to speak the good news without fear, without favor, without compromise. Let us then pray for that, O Lord Grant that we, today in the 21st century, grant that we, your people today, grant, Lord, that I, we, you and me, that we might be filled today with your Holy Spirit so that when we have a chance, we'll be bold, we'll be courageous. Lord, take away the spirit of fear. Take away the temptation to compromise. Give us courage to stand for you. Let your spirit fill us so that we can boldly preach the name of Jesus To the waiting, watching world today, we pray in Jesus' name. Go out and have a Spirit-filled day. May the Spirit make you bold to share Jesus with someone today. Go out and have a great day. Ah, there is, you won't believe, there's going to be, tomorrow, there's going to be fresh graves in the churchyard. You don't want to miss that. Have a great day, folks. See you back here tomorrow. God bless.